This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News. I'm here with the host of Live the Wildlife TV, Gus Kenjemi. Gus, thanks for taking the time to meet with us today. Who are you? Who are you? What am I doing here? <laughs> I've known you a long time, Chris. It's just, it's cool to see, especially, you know, in these times with this virus, it's kind of cool to see your face. <laughs> Actually, wait a minute. I take that back. It's not cool to see your face. Wait, if you think this is going to be a totally serious interview, you're out of your mind, right? Because you and I cannot get together without laughing. So hey, I could have stayed home for this abuse. I didn't have to go on this. <laughs> <laughs> You actually are home from this, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm in my office. I'm not, I can't work out of the house. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. look at you, man, huh? Too many distractions. That, man. How, you go out to the shed? That what you, what you, what you, you go out to the shed? Yeah, I, got, oh, the uh, you know, I, I don't have the man cave that you have. You know? <laughs> uh, come on, man. I'm just breaking it off. That's New but, York. Uh, yeah, That's you are. You have yeah. a big year coming up. You, you, have, you just got inducted into the... Um, the um, Outdoor Outdoorsman Hall of, Hall of Fame in Tennessee. That should yeah. be coming up in a couple months, right? Yeah, it's a pretty cool deal. You know, it's, um, you know, I'm not really sure of the criteria, Chris, but with the way they did it was someone has to nominate you, obviously, and then uh, they vote on you. There's a board, they vote. Uh, I think I came up last year, but I didn't get in last year. I got in this year, and it's, uh, I, it's, it's an honor for me. You know, it's, hey, look, you can relate to what I'm saying. We're from New York. They don't consider us, most of the country does not consider New Yorkers to be uh, 
good hunters has that. Uh, I'll keep it really generic. You know, they don't get, <laughs> when they think <laughs> of the hell did you get it? You're a New Yorker. There's no hunting. Oh, hey, you know, no, you know what the deal is, Chris. I mean, they don't really, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many hunts I've been on where um, outfitters or guides have said, you got a New York guy coming. Then they hear it's a New York TV guy. So forget it. Now they're even like they, they're definitely afraid. You know, but they're watching they expect their back you to show up in your, 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 your black suit with your white on white, well, on white tie. Think that we're in, they think we're incompetent. Then I look up just for the rest of the country that, it, you know, don't take this the wrong way. But if you like our president, you'll understand where we come from. That's that's the kind of what we that's our humor. <laughs> and so anyway, um, the fact that that they, uh, you know, here we're from New York. So for me, getting in the Hall of Fame is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it's a big thing. I don't, yeah, for, I, for anybody. Yeah. For anybody. Sure. Now, sure. you got, you started hunting late in life. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, um, my whole deal was I played ball. You know, I played football, ran track, you know, played ball my whole life. You know, organized teams, you know, college, te- you know, teams like that. And I never, um, I never thought about hunting. It just never interested me. We didn't grow up with it. I did, my family didn't do it. And uh, I tasted venison for the first time. And that was the, I kind of clicked. I, I mean, I don't know how else I can put it, but I could actually go out and harvest my own food, which meant a, a lot to me. Um, I'm not much of a gardener or, you know, I know guys who have their vegetable gardens and they're really proud of their tomato plants or whatever else they're growing. Um, that never really appealed to me, but this did to learn to survive in the outdoors, to be able to, um, harvest your own food. It's a liberating thought to me. And I just started at 31 years old and, uh, I fell in love with the bow. Not much of a firearms guy. I don't shoot it much. I got some great friends like Bobby Hart guys who, you know, have made me custom rifles and I, sh- I could shoot them. Um, it's just not my, uh, preferred method of hunting it's it's all archery so that's i started late 31 years old so who took you on your first hunt well um i started hunting with this old german guy up in in uh, where i used to have my log home up in downsville new york his name is carl hanwalker he's uh since passed away and um tough guy tough guy man he didn't take any nonsense you know he's one of them guys if you're overweight man he's gonna let you know about it he didn't hold back but um so I tasted venison, like I said, at his house. He basically lived a lot off the land. I mean, he's been to Alaska six, seven times, uh, but he lived off the land. His vegetable gardens were big to him, and he had his his hunting, and, you know, he he really had an appreciation for the outdoors and the animals. And the European hunters, he came over from Germany, and European hunters really have a different respect for the game. I mean, the big thing to him to honor the animal, it was never the uh, – you know, just a grip and grin type thing. There was always an honor involved in it. And it w- it appealed to me. So he's the guy who I started hunting with on a local level. I uh, mean, mm-hmm. like you, upstate New York, you know, local level. And, uh, you know, I'd listen to his stories about Alaska and all these cool places that he's been. And that's that's where it started for me. So, so when, you know, like uh, uh, most people that start hunting, they start at an early age. They're in camo in there early teens and you're in your white suit, black shirt, going to 2001 Odyssey and Zeos with your Compizios on oh, and oh, hold on. gold chains and rings and whatnot. Point, point in high school when, uh, well, I played ball. So a lot of, you know, 
And um, we had a pretty diverse group, uh, white, black guys, but we were all friends and cool. And uh, we would go to dance clubs at that point when I was in high school. We didn't think about, like, you know, jocks or, you know, any of that stuff. There wasn't really disco disco. It was dance music. But, um, you know, man, I'm a deadhead. So, uh, you know, I go to see the Grateful Dead. In fact, I was just there with uh, my good buddy David Block from Outdoor Edge Knives. You know, we go all the time from Mexico to see him on the beach. So You're in uh, Cabo um, San Lucas, right? Who was that? Yeah, no, actually, no. No, no, no. They played the Cancun and um, Riviera Maya. So oh, the thing okay. is, uh, yeah, they, they were Riviera Maya. Now they went to, to uh, Cancun, a huge resort. Look, it's, it's um, when I went away to college, that was my thing. I kind of all of a sudden fell into that kind of music. So it's cool. It's cool scene. So well, you, you look like you belong at a dead show, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was never a deadhead. I'm a metalhead. I, I like my yeah, rock and roll, yeah, but I that, never got it. It's never really appealed to me, man. So yeah, to each his own, you know. So, so I mean, but, you've but traveled all over the world. Yep. You, you you've traveled all over the world for both um, pleasure and hunting. Mm-hmm. What's your most memorable memorable hunt? You know, it's I, you know I've been on a few hunts with my son who doesn't hunt. He he works for A and E in history. He. Uh, he, you know, he can run camera for me and he, and he's been with me on a few hunts. And like I said, that was a pretty cool bond between us. And, you know, my son has caught some of these, his, I wouldn't say historic, but legendary type shots of like brown bear standing up. That's all off a of video and he's videoing it. But like, it's amazing because, you know, he doesn't really have that fear of those animals. Cause he doesn't, you know, our dad's there. It's going to be cool. Dad's going to take care of it. He was young. <laughs> we were doing it. And, uh, New Zealand was an off the charts. We had this huge, it was a number seven stag taking archery, come up out of the mist, standing in front of us. I mean, it's all captured on video. So um, there's a lot. I would say the brown bear probably is the most memorable just because I shared it with him. And plus the fact that, you know, for a while it was the SCI number one archery brown bear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he, uh, I don't know if Chris Comack is, has, has his in he's Pope and young. He's number one. Now I used to be number two. Brittingham was three. I mean, Brittingham was two. Brittingham was one. I was two. Now Chris has taken the number one, the new world record. So I'm number three, but I'm not sure if they entered them in SCI, but, um, well, the brown bear hunt is what got you into the Fred bear society, right? No, no, that's, um, that's just a whole nother thing for Pope and young. I've got over 70 animals registered in and, uh, you know, the reason I do it is, number one, I support the agency. I mean, the, the the organization, I support them because they look out for our rights. It's almost like, you know, we're really into SCI and, and these things. And I know a lot of people frown on it who don't um, travel a lot, maybe local hunters. But these are the people out there who are protecting our rights. They're mm-hmm. the people who are lobbying for our rights. I mean, there's stuff that will go on, Chris, that we won't even know happened. And before you know it, you lost your rights to do something. Absolutely. I mean, when I was traveling to turkey hunt, now I've had to cancel some of my Canadian hunts this spring, but when I'm traveling for turkey hunts, that's the first thing I did was reach out to SCI. They kind of, uh, from they gave me people from those states, SCI chapters, who could tell me what was going on. So it's great to have them in your corner. And um, and, and, the, and the Pope and Young thing is a, another organization like that. And look, it's just a, a, it's also something where you, you know, you donate to the future of bow hunting and um, it's a great organization. There's some cool people involved in it. And, uh, you know, I was pretty honored to be, you know, asked to do that. Now you've, uh, 
it, it seems like most of your hunts are so physically demanding. Um, hmm. How do you stay in such good shape to go on these hunts? The truth, Chris, is I'm not anymore. Um, you know, I'll be 62 a couple weeks. And uh, not that that's uh, – I don't know how to put this. Physically, strength-wise, I'm good. The mountain hunts have taken the uh, taken its toll on me now, you know, just wearing you out over the years, playing ball all those years. I'm really starting to feel it. Um, I can't do it the way I want to with a bow. Like, I, I can't explain this. I mean, I, I could do the rifle thing on a mountain hunt, but the bow, you have to be – you know, it's a very, it's a young man's game. That's all I'm going to tell you. Like you're up there and all of a sudden the animals move my last mountain goat on and we're on, on this goat. And I had a smaller goat. I could have shot out with the bow. And then we see this giant that we want to go after, but it was like, a, you know, the third day up the mountain. Now you're physically exhausted. Now we got to take off around this mountain. It's another half day. We got weather coming in. I was one of those things when you have to realize it's almost like a ball player who's realizes, you know, he's past his prime, but, this is time to retire. I felt like, you know, the bow is going to be a tough one on that. Now, I'm not saying that there's mountain goat hunts you can't do because there are easier hunts than I was on. Um, but the one I was on in Kodiak was a was a tough hunt. And and I try to keep myself as good a shape as possible just so I can keep doing what I love. Mm -hmm. I heard that uh, and I've never been on a goat hunt, but uh, uh, from what I've read and what I've uh, speaking to people, if you think you're in shape going into it, yeah. you're really not in shape and, and prepared for it. How do you know you're really prepared for a hunt like that? You're not. You're not. Do whatever you think you're doing and still you're not going to be. But, uh, you know, there's also a desire of being there. You train for it. Where I screwed up on a few of these hunts is I've always gone to Kodiak in November. Uh, the outfitter that I hunted with, um, big wild outfitters, you know, Clay Roberts, great, great guy. I love him. known Clay for years. He uh, was on actually worked for the guy where I did my brown bear hunts. So I've known Clay for years. He didn't guide me there, but I knew him. And then when he took over the concession on uh, Kodiak, he bought it. He, um, you know, he's guided me, but he wants me to go in November because the hair is great on the goats. The problem is, and you, you know this, uh, you know, like I'm turkey hunting right now. I mean, I was out this morning. I've been out all week. I was in Jersey Monday and Tuesday, Connecticut Wednesday this morning in Jersey. I, I knew I was doing this, so I left a little earlier. I'll be in New York tomorrow. So it's that getting up early, like our whitetail seasons, because I do the same thing, Connecticut, New Jersey, and, and New York for whitetail. So by the time November comes around, i got to be straight with you. I'm pretty burnt out physically. Yeah. Now, if I was going to suggest somebody going on a hunt like that, I would think your best bet is to go early fall. Like, so you're training all summer. Get in there at the end of August. The weather is good. Look, the hair on the goats is not as good, but um, you're fresh. You haven't been burnt out from a long whitetail season. I mean, you know, between black bear, whitetail, I'm just, by the fall in November, I'm pretty, I'm running on fumes half the time. And now I have to go to Kodiak on a physical hunt. So that's one thing I would probably do different if I was going to do that hunt again. Now. How did this evolve into your TV show? How'd you, what made you want to start a TV show? I didn't. I, was, uh, I met a guy in Canada, Mike Avery. It was Mike Avery's Outdoor Magazine. And uh, Mike did about 25 years of television. He's still syndicated on the radio out of Michigan. So we ran, I, you know, Mike was a cool guy. I just kind of big dude, 6'6", six, six, just a great guy, real knowledgeable. And uh, he just asked me if I wanted to, you know, 
I was going on my first brown bear hunt because I've done two. He goes, you know, would you mind filming it? And he sent me a bow and blah, blah, blah. I wound up shooting a turkey and said, hey, man, thanks for the bow. I just shot a turkey. He goes, well, I'm doing a turkey show. You want to send it to me? So I sent him the footage and he ran it on the show. And then uh, we did the brown bear hunt. It just took off from there. And I really had no intention of doing this. You know, I own a construction company and, you know, I've got a lot of guys and we're, we're busy. So I don't, I didn't really get into it. But now as times progressed, I don't have to do as much I, as I used to with the, hunt, with the uh, construction company. So I had more time. But all of a sudden, Mike started doing like he wasn't going to do TV anymore. I mean, I think I you know, had like 18 hunts for that year to give him. I had gone to Africa and did a few different things. And I'm like, well, all right, the sponsors really like me, <laughs> you know, so maybe I'll just go to them. And you realize really quickly that there's a business to this. Oh, absolutely. Um, and they do like you, but you know what I'm trying to say. Getting money um, out of them is a completely different money, animal. <laughs> well, you know, the, the equipment was just they were load me up with stuff, but getting paid was a tough one. So, um, you know, I was in for a rude awakening there. You know, you start realizing I'm really appreciating what the other guys did. But, you know, at that point, um, the hunting, the outdoor television world was, was really starting to peak. And, uh, you know, so I stayed with it. It's my 10th season this year. This is my 10th season. That's that's a nice run. Yeah, it's cool. Cool deal. Yep, yep. So that's how it started. So, what was your most dangerous situation you've been in? Oh, by far it was the mountain lion. You know, the mountain lion. I crawled into a cave with a mountain lion. A weird deal. The whole thing was a weird deal. It was uh, again. It's, it's in the mountains of Colorado. I know. Excuse me. Take that back. It was Wyoming. Um, and my big thing was winter. So, you know, getting through the snow, climbing these hills, look, as long as I don't have a heart attack, I should be okay. I was practicing for the, you know, that shot up in a tree really wasn't a big deal. Uh, just get a nice bow shot. The dogs will tree them. I'll shoot the, the, the mountain lion. Everything will be good. Well, didn't work out that way. The dogs got on this cat. We actually saw the cat. Everything was all videoed, but it was so weird because I glanced across this, you know, Canyon and see the cat. I see it, and nobody ever sees the cat before they get him. Well, the dogs get there, and all of a sudden we see the dog, one dog and the cat disappear. We get By the time we got there, there's a cave. And they're like, uh, the dog's in the cave with the cat. He won't leave. So I'm like, all right, you know, they're going, look, dude, you're not going to do it with the bow. Got a pistol here. So one of the other guys goes, you got the guy with the other guy with the tag. We got to go in there and get him. Like, you know, that peer pressure. Like, yeah, yep. yeah, that rah, rah. Come so on, like, go get right, him. All right, cool, man. I'm like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing. You know, all right, I'll go in. Yeah, he's with me. I figure I got the, you know, the right guy with me, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, it's like walking in with a big guy, big bouncer into a bar. He wants to do a fight. I'm like, well, I got the biggest guy in the bar. I'm all right. So next thing I know, we get in there and we start crawling in. We hear the dog and then we're now we're belly, you know, belly crawling, just shoulder to shoulder going through a tunnel. It went from a, uh, a cave to a tunnel. So we're getting through and, uh all of a sudden, we hear the cat, just, you know, rah, dog silent. So we figured he killed the dog. And we're like, we got to get to the dog. So we keep crawling and crawling. All the next thing we know, um, we just caught a glimpse. You hear the cat. This guy opens up his pistol, just shoots it, ends it. Like he has nothing left. It's spent. So all of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, what the hell just happened? All of a sudden, I look up and um, we had a little light. I see the cat's eyes at maybe. 15 feet away, I shoot the next shot, I shoot, and the cat, the blood squirted, hit me in the hat. That's how close the cat was in Atlanta. Wow. <laughs> now, I came out of there, this is, all, this is all on video, but I came out and the reaction was uh, Rambo. 
You know, Rambo goes in the village, shoots up all the villagers. Everybody's shooting at him, but I didn't have a scratch on me. I said, at best, at best, I'm going to walk out of there, you know, cut up pretty bad. At worst, this thing could kill me because you got to go over the top of us to get out. Because I'm yep. telling you, we got this tunnel block. And, you know, when I look at it now, it's like one of those deals where you're like, man, that was a pretty dumb thing to do. And I told the guy, I'm like, dude, you have, I was counting on you. You have, you emptied your pistol. And next and thing I know, get anything. I see these yellow eyes coming at me, dude. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, I, I'm pretty confident with my bow. So although some, maybe it looks like something that I'm not, I shouldn't be doing. I'm pretty confident on that shot. Look, I'm not saying I couldn't die, but I'm confident. I'm not confident with a pistol. And I thought I had, so when you're relying on somebody else, that's when it could get ugly. So that was probably the stupidest thing. You're lucky. <laughs> look at his face, Chris. You think this is lucky? If you looked like this, would you think you're lucky? Come on, man, huh? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So what's next for this year? Uh, we'll do the turkey thing. Um, like I said, the Canadian hunts are canceled. Um, we ended up picking up a third tent for the Adirondacks. So we're going to do some of our northeast adventures this year you know um a lot of people don't know uh what it's like hunting in the adirondack they just think new york is right well it's a cakewalk well i don't like hunting in the adirondack because i've hunt, hunted the adirondack and it, it's tough man yeah it's yeah. tough yep yep yeah no it is it definitely is um yeah it's it's one of those deals where i got two pro staff guys that uh that live, you know, live up there and they've hunted for generations up in the Adirondacks. And, uh, they kind of took me under their wing and showed me a lot of, look, I haven't seen a deer. I, I, I might, I would take that back. Last year I saw a doe maybe 500 yards away. Um, but it's, it's really tough hunting. We've killed one deer while we were all up there together with, with the cameras. Um, they, they hunt the season. So the one guy, Pat Salerno and Tony, they've killed deer over the years, but you know, it's a long season. You're going to spend the season up there and maybe get a shot at a good buck, but they're mountain bucks and most of them have never seen people. So it's a, it's a, it's a firearms hunt. It's a rough, I'm going to try bow this year. Cause I'm going to go up earlier. I tried it once before, but it's too late in the season. I mean, there's great food sources. We got cameras set up everywhere. We're going to do three different campsites. We're going to, I'm going to dedicate some more time only because everything that's going on with the travel, it's a nightmare. I have my, um, <clears throat> I've got my tags in for Wyoming for antelope and mule deer. Hopefully I draw there. We'll do our North Carolina bear hunt, which is again, off the hook. If you ever really, well, you were thinking about maybe moving down there. It's a hunt. You should with the dogs. Oh yeah. Dog. I'll be dog. there. I'll be there eventually. That's yeah. uh, that's it's, a, it's a cool hunt. And um, I'll do, do my whitetail thing. You know, once whitetail season starts, you know, the deal you're I'm beyond probably four or five different States. So yeah. Being on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, like I said, some of the Alaska stuff and Canadian stuff got canceled this year because of the travel and the outfitters. I, I The outfitters are hurt, to be honest with you. I mean, all their spring hunts got canceled, um, and people are just canceling these hunts. And it's tough because they've already paid the government for these concessions. So they the rights to hunt here. So they pay their insurances, and um, it's tough. It's, it's going to be a tough deal, but, you know, a lot of people out there right now hurt. So, yeah, we're living through a very uh, trepidous time. It's uh, we've never seen this in our 
history and right you know a lot of people are uh a lot of people are in a tough spot especially the outfitters um, yeah oh, they'll adjust it's like anything else everybody will adjust what got me with this is how many people were are ill prepared to live their lifestyle now i, I don't want to you know say the wrong thing here but when i started eating venison and hunting it's because i want to be liberated i'm not a slave to the supermarket yep which i think you know is kind of reinforces our lifestyle what we do the hunting world the outdoor outdoors men and women who are fishing and hunting um, we could survive. I've learned to live. And look, I, I get it. If people don't want to kill an animal, I totally get it. But if it means your survival, shouldn't you know how to do it? It almost, it's very, it's strange to me that this society has been working with your hands and the knowledge that was passed on from generation, all those traditions are being bred out, Chris. I mean, yeah, there are literally people who can't do anything with their hands. If we have, uh, you know, some kind of a power, uh, you know, blackout you know where we get the we lose the grid they're basically useless i mean they're amazing on on you know when when they have technology but to work with their hands i just think it's it's sad it's a sad maybe people wake up from this and realize that there's uh you know you should at least have the knowledge of how to take care of yourself or how to provide for yourself and yeah. uh you know well you know i'm i'm you know, looking at your, uh, you know, I got you on camera. You have a beautiful cabin that you're in. Did you build that cabin? Oh, it's just my house. It's, yeah. So, yeah, we built this. Yep. Yep. But it's about the 10th year yeah, we've been in here. Yeah. It's a cool place. That goes right back to working, you know, working with your hands, doing stuff you can, you know. Well, well that's the thing, dude. I mean, like, I've been in construction my whole life. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's just tech, you know, we have to, you know, obviously with the TV show, the cameras and the technology and all the social media and stuff that we have to do, I get it. I get all that. It's really cool. But there's still something to be said for being on the side of a mountain in the morning. There's still something that for being to, you know, to the, then, and we, like I said, we do it up in the Adirondacks. So we'll be setting our own stuff up. And it's, it's just the way I want to live my life. And it's, proving to be probably the right way to at least have that knowledge. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, taking yeah, the time great, to great speak great to us today. To uh, good luck this season and uh, hunt safe. You got it, buddy. Listen, let me know if you're going to do your turkey thing up there, if you're going to come up or you, it's really sad. I, I don't understand why they don't allow turkey hunting in New Jersey. I mean, in uh, Long Island where you are. They do. It's a one, one is a fall season or a spring. Uh, it's, it's a fall and spring season, but you know, you got to go on state land. Who the hell wants to hunt state uh, land? No, you can't. No, no, you can't get private land with bow. Uh, I'm sure if I went out East and, um, got it. Yeah. You know, and, and knocked on farmers doors and whatnot, I'm sure I'll be able to, but you, uh, you fish much or anything? You, I do. I do. And you know, one, and not for nothing, we have really big deer on Long Island. Oh, huge. They're some of the biggest in the state. Yeah. No the point. reason why I don't, uh, they are infested with ticks. Yeah. And Long Island has a really bad uh, Lyme oh, disease problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, myself, yeah. You know, it, to me, it's not worth the toss up. You know? Yeah. No, no. I hear you. I mean, we a couple of my pro staff guys hunt down Long Island. I mean, I do a lot of hunting in Westchester County, New York. Um, and now, you know, Rockland County, New York. And, you know, where I have big parcels of land that are private land because i've done a lot of public land hunting but it's um i was a lot of, especially in jersey for bear 
but uh, they've canceled that now. You can only hunt bear on private land. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just turkey thing for me is just that and the fishing in the spring. So yeah, and yeah, we have big deer right by my house. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I I can drive into like. Um, Huntington Bay or Laddingtown and mm -hmm. knock on somebody's door and say, Hey, can I sit in your backyard and hunt? You know, two acre plots, <laughs> but you're sitting in somebody's backyard. Yeah. Now, no, to me, to me, yeah, that's no. culling. It's not, you know, yeah, I'm not even talking about big deer. I'm just talking about the fact that you can get out and do something. Yeah. But there's great fishing in Long Island. So, you know, that's, that's awesome. Especially yeah, I, I take my son, uh, you know, we'll go down to like uh, Oyster Bay and surf cast. Right, uh, right, right. Or we'll go out of Captree and uh, go on a charter yeah. boat and, you know, do some flounder. Or flounder, yeah, flounder, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, man. I, I, I used to, when I lived in Brooklyn, I used to work on a fishing boat when I was a kid, in fact, 15 years old. And um, all the regulations now, because I haven't saltwater fished in a while, I, I go up to uh, Nantucket every year now, up out of the Cape, and we go on a fluke trip. But, I mean, they're monsters. I mean... I would say that every single trip I've been on, there's been at least one 13 pounder caught. And that seven, eight pound where like in New Jersey, that's, or Long Island, that would be a monster. Sure. Uh, that's a, that's a good fish. Not an, you know, you catch smaller, obviously, but very few uh, shorts, very few. So um, yeah. So I just didn't realize all the regulations that have changed in the saltwater fishing is where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah they have. Uh, and most of um, Great South Bay has been fished out. You, really? you, you go on a charter boat, you're not catching any flounder. Or yeah, yeah. There. Uh, but we have uh, we have a nice 60 acre lake up by the uh, up by the cabin. Uh, right. It's you know part of the land that we lease. So um, right, right. What kind of fish been, on the bass up there? Oh, they've been pulling some uh, nice bass out of there. They did some um, ice fishing this winter. Pulled out some nice fish. Yeah. Um, I didn't go up this winter, right? Know, so, yeah, I didn't do any ice fishing, but it's yeah, it's nice up there. Cool deal. Yeah, it's not by it's by me. Yeah, stop yeah. by. We're two exits away. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll stop by with uh, with, with a bottle I or something. On social media, when you say you're going up to the cabin, I disappear, man. <laughs> I call on the way up. You just don't pick up the phone. I never. Oh do. Jesus, he's I'm up always, here. I gotta get. No, I'm, I'm always doing. You know what, Chris? It's weird. It's like I'm always doing something. There's always something going on, and uh, you know whether not appearances, but you know showing up someplace or a game dinner or somebody. You know, just kind of passing the word. You know, yep. Sharing, sharing uh, the good fortune to people who uh, want to, especially with the young people, you really want to get them involved. Yeah, cool. Yeah, deal. we actually um, we did our Dallas Safari Club dinner. Uh, I'm on the board of Northeast right. Chapter. We did. Right. We still went ahead with our dinner uh, at Mohegan Sun uh, mid March. Wow! And um, we had a turnout. Not as good as we would have hoped, but right, right. You know, it was at the beginning of this. Uh, things got canceled, yeah. Yeah, it was at the beginning of the pandemic, and uh, sure. uh, a lot of people didn't show up because of that. But we we did okay. We had a nice showing. We raised some decent money for sure. auctioning hunts and whatnot. Um, so uh, you know, we gotta you know hope that a lot of these outfitters stay in business now. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I've been doing so many self-guided hunts there's a few animals like i said in the last few you can't 
I'm done with I've done two brown bear hunts. I, I, I want to do a grizzly hunt at some point. Um, the costs have gotten crazy. But uh, mountain goat, sheep, um, bear, uh, black bear you could do, but you can't do uh, brown bear or grizzly. So there's, a, there's some animals you can't hunt in Alaska, self-guided. But moose, black-tailed deer, black bear, um, caribou, that all could be done self-guided. And those are, those are the hunts I look forward to, you know, these days. You know, it's that self-guided thing is the way to go. Well, may I might have to do that with you one day. Sure. You got it, buddy. All right. All right, Chris. Good talking to you. You too, Gus. Thanks for your time. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.